leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Ziskin likens Immuneering's platform technology to noise-canceling headphones. In fact, the company's use of the term disease-canceling technology speaks directly to that. The approach, he says, allows the company to build a pipeline of drug candidates that address aspects of disease that have eluded traditional drug development approaches. We spoke to Ziskin CEO of Immuneering, about the company's evolution from its roots in bioinformatics, its movement into drug development, and how its proprietary platform technology works. Ben, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. We're going to talk about immuneering, drug development, and how you're using bioinformatics to cut the cost and time of bringing new therapies through to the market. Let's start with immuneering. How do you describe the company? Sure. Well, you know, we're a we're an advanced bioinformatics company. Um, so we have a you know we have a decade of experience uh, using bioinformatics and and computational biology. Uh, throughout the uh, the pharma R and D process, um, so in the you know in the early days, uh, that really started as as services work, where we we're mostly working on uh, successful medicines and and using gene expression and other types of bioinformatics data to really better understand uh, their mechanisms of action. Uh, and of course, you know every every drug starts with a sort of an intended. Uh, or hypothesized mechanism of action, and and um, you know often it's a single target, um, and and you know really what what we were often doing was to to fill in some of the complexity around that. So in other words, to to really help to say, um, okay, we, you know, so that that's the target, but you know why does the drug work better in some patients than others? What are the mechanisms around that, or why um, you know are there other targets that it's that it's also interacting with that may contribute to the uh, to the benefit um, so it was really those those kinds of questions that we um, you know that we were often working on through our through our services business um, and and you know that 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 went well you know we grew uh, uh, company grew with a, uh, a revenues grew with a hundred three percent compound annual growth rate for the first seven years um, you, you know it went well Commercially and and you know also went well scientifically. We had had uh, uh, quite a few publications and and presentations. Um, you, you know the, the interesting thing was though that that we came to to really view 
successful drugs in a unique way. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the the metaphors that people use in this this field are are, are sort of hunting related metaphors, right? They they actually call themselves drug drug hunters. You know, you talk about targets and 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 hits, and it's uh, you know there's sort of a um, an element of chance, you know, an element of, of, of trial and error or, or, or serendipity to, to kind of happening, happening onto something. And, um, you know, what, what we came to see in our data and, and particularly in looking at, uh, you know, a number of successful drugs at the gene expression level, uh, that, you know, the, the RNA profiles that they induced, uh, we, we came to view successful drugs more as, as, uh, signal inducers, uh, than bullets. Um, and so, you know, the, again, sort of the, the traditional thought was you, you sort of take out one specific target like a bullet would, and then even some of the newer methods uh, such as, uh, you know, gene therapy or, or, or CRISPR, it's sort of like a, a, a narrower, more precise bullet. Um, but for, for us, and you know, when we looked at it sort of bioinformatically at the gene expression level, the 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 successful medicine, the most successful ones looked looked more like kind of signal inducers than than kind of bullets. And and based on that, we we really came to view, you know, we we developed a kind of a different metaphor for for successful medicines, which is actually the the noise canceling headset uh, of all things. So, you know, I think most most people are familiar with getting on a plane and and you turn that on and and you know the 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 noise unwanted noise kind of uh, uh, almost magically vanishes, and and really the way that's working, uh, and it a- appeals to us as engineers. You know, ha- half our team is trained at MIT. Um, you know, there, there's a microphone in those headsets, and it's it's listening for the unwanted noise, and it it creates uh, it creates a, an anti noise. Uh, in other words, sort of a, a mirror image of the unwanted noise, a, a signal that's 180 degrees out of phase, and it it uh, puts that together with the, the noise and, and you get uh, destructive interference and it, it cancels it out. Um, and that's, that's really kind of how, how we saw successful drugs to be working at the, at the gene expression level. Um, and as a result of that, we, we set out to build uh, a technology, a computational technology that would let us uh, create new medicines uh, sort of with that in mind from the start. So kind of engineer uh, uh, drug candidates that would effectively uh, cancel out uh, at the gene expression level an, an aspect of disease that that we're looking to looking to treat. Um, and we spent several years uh, building that technology and and uh, refining it and validating it. Um, and it, it 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 started doing uh doing quite well. At which point we um you know we we. Uh, you know, set out to to develop our own pipeline of of drug candidates, uh, and we call it disease canceling technology. By the way, for hopefully obvious reasons, given the given the metaphor. But so we, um, you know, once we had developed that disease canceling technology, we uh, we began uh, developing a, a pipeline of wholly owned uh, drug assets using it. Let me take a step back. You, you mentioned sure. the MIT pedigree of your staff. You've got a background in electrical engineering and computer science. How did you come to drug development? What was the opportunity you saw? Yeah, it's a great, great question. Thanks, Danny. You know, so so you're absolutely right. My um, actually, my undergraduate training was in in electrical engineering and uh, 
and computer science at uh, uh, at MIT. Uh, that's that's what my my father had studied, so I was kind of kind of inspired by him. Um, you know, being being at MIT at the at the time that I was, uh, you know, it was, it was right around the time of the of the Human Genome Project. So there was really just a, a lot of excitement about uh, genomics and and what it could represent. Um, so I actually. Uh, as part of a, uh, you know, we had a, a lab requirement in one of my electrical engineering optics classes, and, and through that had to um, uh, do a project in a lab at MIT. So I chose a, a microscopy lab at the at the Whitehead, um, doing biological microscopy, um, and that, uh, you know, just really really loved that, loved sort of the the intersection between engineering and and biology. So I ended up uh, staying at MIT to do my uh, my PhD and bioengineering in that in that very lab um uh, Paul Matsudera was the, the the principal investigator and and um uh the department uh, you know the the biological engineering department at MIT was really really set up for c- kind of people like me you know people who were coming from engineering backgrounds uh and and wanted to apply those insights to biology the the sort of quantitative approach of of you know thinking about problems and you know thinking about Signals and systems, and uh, you know, the department was really built um, uh, and led by Doug, Doug Waffenberger, who's who's on our scientific advisory board uh, to this day. So, so you know, re- really through that training at, at MIT, I saw the the power of a kind of taking a quantitative engineering mindset and apri- applying it to uh, to biology. Um, so you know when I finished grad school, I ended up doing doing an MBA. Uh, you know, it, it, I knew I wanted to start a, a company, but not exactly on my thesis research. So it was actually a good opportunity to take a take a step back and and figure out you know where exactly I thought the right opportunity was. So you know during during my MBA was was um, really fortunate to meet my my co-founder Bob Carpenter, uh, who who has started dozens of of biotech companies going back to. Uh, Integrated genetics in the early 80s. Uh, he was on on Genzyme's board for nearly two decades. So, met him and and really the the need that we identified at that time was just that the uh, you know the the ability to generate high throughput biological data, uh, you know gene expression, DNA sequencing, proteomics was was really outstripping or outpacing the ability to make sense of it and turn it into useful or actionable insights. Uh, particularly for uh, for the development of new medicines, um, so the you know the the costs were plummeting, and and you know we saw that all all the pharma companies were were generating just just uh, increasing volumes of this kind of data. At, at the time, it was a lot of uh, microarrays. That was the technology for for gene expression. Now, now of course, it's mostly RNA seq that's used, um, and you know there were SNP chips and just just all this data and and. Uh, there, there weren't as many groups that were really focused entirely on analyzing the data and, and sort of getting, you know, getting the most out of it. There were, um, at the time, those, those kind of uh, uh, spaghetti diagrams were popular. That I don't know if you remember. They kind of kind of looked like a, a hairball or, or a. Um, I think there was a quote in Nature: an explosion in a spaghetti factory. But it, you know, it was just these these plots that would show how every single gene was connected to every other gene. And it, it you know, it was sort of, uh, it, it was nice art, but it wasn't really necessarily, uh, something a pharma company could use to make a, make a decision. So we, we really said, we're going to, we're going to focus entirely on the analysis of the data 
and you know extracting more insights from it that could be meaningful to uh, to drug development. And that's that was really kind of the the motivation around around starting the company. You mentioned your computational platform that you call disease canceling technology. What exactly is the platform and how does it work? Sure, yeah. So that and that of course was developed much much later on as I as I mentioned and, and it's you know it's a, it's a it's an algorithm. Um so it's you know it's a computational uh technology and and you know really it it, it takes as input a gene expression signature associated with a particular aspect of disease uh, that we're looking to cancel. Um, so one of our one of our drug programs is for uh, cancer cachexia, which is the the wasting of of muscle tissue that occurs in late stage cancer patients. Uh, many people are familiar with the the kind of emaciated appearance uh, uh, that that can occur, but uh, fewer people know that it's it's actually the the final cause of about a third of all all cancer deaths, um, because sadly the you know the heart or the the lung muscles become become too weak to function. Um, so this this is kind of the the final cause of of a huge number of cancer deaths, and yet there are no no approved therapies for it. Um, you know, and it, I think a a big part of the reason for that is it it's just not amenable to traditional drug discovery methods. So so kind of traditional. Um, Traditional drug discovery, uh, you know, a lot of times you're, you're screening uh, targets or drugs uh, in vitro in, in cancer cell lines in a, you know, in a Petri dish, if you will, and um, really looking to see how well you can kill the cancer cells. And, you know, it's measured often with, a, with an IC50, uh, and, and it's, you know, that's often the focus. And, the, and the, you know, that, that's good for discovering certain, certain drug candidates, but for, uh, you know, for aspects of disease like cachexia, where it's a it's the result of a complex set of interactions between the tumor and the immune system and the the patient's muscle tissue, uh, you know, screening in in uh, cancer cell lines in vitro is is just not you know not really gonna gonna uh, discover an effective medicine for that. So you know I, I think that's where platforms like our disease canceling technology can can really shine because um, you know so what. What we're able to do is is to take uh, gene expression data from uh, muscle tissue of cancer patients with and without cachexia, uh, as well as relevant model systems, and and really compare them, um, you know, using careful careful bioinformatics, including you know very rigorous uh, quality control and, and normalization, um, and and what that gets us is a is a really precise signature specifically for you know which genes are are changed as a as a patient develops cachexia. So that's that's kind of the the key input to our to our platform. That's the the disease signal, um, if you will. You can, going back to the metaphor, that's the that's the unwanted noise that you're uh, that you're looking to cancel out. Um, and then with that with that input, what our what our platform is is able to do is really two two steps. And again, it's computational. So there's a biology step and a chemistry step, and in the in the biology step, you know what we're doing is uh, essentially algorithmically ranking uh, targets by the extent to which they uh, are able to cancel out that that uh, disease signal, um, and we do that in a in a unique and, and and proprietary way. And then the the second step is once once we have the target 
uh, our platform is able to, um, you know, essentially do a, a virtual high throughput screen. So a, a chemistry step where, you know, using the amino acid sequence of the target, we're able to uh, screen a, you know, large libraries of ten, tens of millions of compounds and identify uh, the predicted binding affinity. Um, so identify predicted uh, predicted hits. Um, and then to be clear, of course, we have to experimentally validate that downstream. Um, but, you know, so we're with the platform, we're able to computationally identify sort of both both targets and 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 hits, uh, but you know ones that are not not sort of solely for that target itself, but but are targets that we know are relevant because they induce a whole set of signals that are likely to cancel out uh, the aspect of disease that we're that we're looking for. Um, so that that's really the the disease canceling technology. It's it's really a a biology platform based on gene expression, uh, you know, closely coupled with a with a chemistry platform that gets us to to the hits, the, you know, the, the initial chemical structures that we then, of course, have to experimentally uh, uh, validate and and you know lead lead optimize, uh, you know, in a in a more uh, more traditional way. Um, so what, that, that's really the technology. Why do so many drugs fail in discovery and development, and how does your approach minimize the time and money invested in it, advancing molecules that won't pan out? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a real, um, it's a real challenge. I, I think the, the productivity in, in pharmaceutical R&D is, is, uh, uh, certainly has, has a lot of opportunities for improvement. Um, and there's, you know, there's, there's a number of reasons that, uh, that drugs fail. Um, uh, you know, so I, we can talk through some of them. I mean, I, I think the first is that traditional drug discovery methods uh, often require starting with model systems. Um, so, you know, you're, you're doing the initial work in either cell lines in vitro or, or animal models. And, you know, those are, those are important systems and they're, you know, they're, they're useful for discovering a lot of drugs. But as, you know, as I noted in the Cachexia example, they, you know, there, there's a lot of aspects of disease that they, uh, either can't model or don't model accurately. Um, and, and so one of the nice things about our platform is that with the disease canceling technology, we can actually start with human patient data. Um, so the, you know, the, the very origin of our, our drug programs when we're doing that initial biology, uh, a step, uh, is based on, uh, you know, human patient data. And so I, you know, I, I think that's, uh, that's an important factor for the ultimate success of our programs because while, of course, you know, we have to do the same, you know, do experiments in, in model systems as well, I think there's a difference between starting with a model system versus, versus starting with human data. Um, so, I mean, that, you know, that's, that's one of the ways that, uh, that we're able to increase the, the rate of success. And, and then, you know, I, I think, um, the approach of these canceling technology in terms of looking across multiple, you know, looking at the impact uh, of both a disease and then the, the drug candidate across tens of thousands of genes, um, you know, oftentimes a, a drug candidates will fail due to sort of unintended consequences, you know, off, off target effects or, or polypharmacology. Um, and, and in our case, we're kind of leveraging that from the start. We're, we're taking that into account from, from the beginning and, and sort of engineering it in. 
Um, so I, I think we're able to um, to do a lot of that. So that that's in terms of the success rate. In terms of the the time and uh, and capital efficiency, it's 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 a little more straightforward. So um, you know, most frequently, uh, the the two steps, you know, target identification is frequently done using uh, you know uh, trial and error experiments that that uh, often rely on on serendipity, right? It, it, you know, you have to kind of stumble upon something or or kind of get the you know have a lucky break. Uh, and then similarly high throughput screening, you're, you're running a lot of experiments, uh, you know, you're essentially testing, uh, many, many molecules, uh, uh, in the library experimentally. Uh, so both of those steps, uh, you know, both rely, have a serendipity component and, and just require, uh, uh, you know, months and months and, and, uh, significant dollars to run the experiments. And we're able to do, most of that computationally. So, you know, just, just the switch from, from having to do that experimentally to, to computationally, uh, is, is a, you know, a pretty significant speed up and, um, you know, saves a lot of, uh, a lot of capital. Um, and, you know, we, we, we kind of anticipated this, but it, it, it wasn't really until we had our, our drug programs up and running and we had kind of six, uh, six programs in our pipeline that we, we actually went back and looked at our, our historical, Actual numbers, so that you know, not not projecting, but just just based on our our data from our programs to date, um, and compare that to benchmarks, and and we're about uh, twice as fast and about three times as as capital efficient as sort of a, a traditional benchmark. Is that referring um, to the discovery phase, just getting to clinic, or is that for the entire development? Uh, that's from inception to proof of concept in animal models. So it's it's really on the front end of the of the process, and is that I, I know you've been a a service business for about ten years or so. Is that what the data is based on, or is this actually with in regards to your own drug discovery? Right. Yeah. So th this is with in regards to our own our own internal pipeline, and and I, I should just clarify, you know, our, so our, our services business continues to this day and it's 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 thriving you know it's it's a little bit different though so we we actually don't use the disease canceling technology or other proprietary platforms in our in our services so our our services business is really um you know just kind of a advanced bioinformatics sort of best best practices uh computational biology for you know analysis of of existing uh data sets that different different pharma companies have um so it's you know, it's 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 pretty separate in that sense. I, I think the the thing that unifies unifies it all is just this this foundation of being, uh, you know, kind of second to none at uh, at bioinformatics and in the kind of rigorous, uh, uh, reproducible analysis of of bioinformatic data. And is that um, business able to fund your own discovery and development? So it it, it certainly has, and in, and in fact, uh, you know, I, I think one of the one of the things that surprises people is that we're, uh, you know, our our company is 11 years old and and we just raised a a, a Series A. Um, <laughs> it's and a long path to a Series A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but actually, it's 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 great because it you know it means that uh, uh, you know we were able to to fund all the early work, you know, seed all the early work off the balance sheet from the from the services business, um, and so that's uh, you know it's actually been. Uh, uh, really, really helpful. So yeah, and and you know, but 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 again, there's you know, it's 
really just the unifying factor is the the common experience in in uh, bioinformatics. You mentioned the cancer cachexia program. Is what's the target in in that indication? So the um, you know based based on our um, disease canceling technology, um, you know we actually identified a, a couple of related targets that our that our um, our drug is going after. But um, uh, one of them that we've we've disclosed is uh, is MEC. Um, so MEC is is one of the uh, one of the targets of our uh, of our drug, and we actually presented uh, data on that just uh, just a few weeks ago in Berlin at the um, uh, the uh, called SCWD, the Society for uh, Cachexia, Sarcopenia, and Muscle Wasting. So is, um, is this a tyrosine kinase inhibitor? Um, and. I don't want to get into into too much detail on on uh, on how the molecules work. And we we've we've not disclosed that other than to say that uh, um, you know MEC is a is a target, uh, which of course is a is a kinase. So it's not it's not an unreasonable uh, question for you to ask. Well, you've got I think about a half a dozen other programs in preclinical development right now. That's what, right. What, this gets expensive once you start moving to the clinic. What's the plan on prioritizing the the programs and the indications you're pursuing? Yeah, that's a great uh, great question. So, you know, in terms of um, in terms of prioritization, you know, we're we're certainly very uh, very data driven. Um, you know, I, I think our focus is on uh, disease areas where our you know our platform. Can identify medicines that sort of aren't, you know, weren't previously possible with with traditional drug discovery methods. So, you know, we're, we're really focused on areas specifically where, um, you know, where our our platform can can create uh, medicines where there really there really aren't aren't any or sort of aren't uh, aren't the uh, the right ones. Um, you're certainly right that the you know as you as you progress. Uh, along in the in the um, drug development process, the the expenses go up, and uh, you know we're we're certainly um, uh, you know excited to take take our you know some of the drugs in our portfolio through through to clinical trials. And in fact, um, we recently uh, recently hired a a new uh, chief medical officer, and uh, uh, you know we're excited about that, and and he'll be helping to drive drive these programs uh, uh, through to the clinic. Um, but the the interesting thing is, because of the capital efficiency with which we can bring programs to uh, to the point of in vivo proof of concept, um, as I mentioned, we're about kind of three times more capital efficient than than uh, benchmarks. Um, but there's there's another aspect to it, which is that we have a much steadier stream of new assets. So uh, you know. I, um, and this has to do with eliminating some of the trial and error or the or the serendipity. So you know, I, I think a lot of biotech startups, uh, you know, ha- have to focus on a single target or or a single pathway because you know just kind of the the years of ex- experiments have, have have sort of pointed them in that in that direction. Um, whereas for us with the disease canceling technology, you know, as as long as we have a good gene expression signature for the aspect of disease we're looking to cancel, uh, we will get targets and hits. Um, you know, that doesn't mean they're all going to work, and we certainly uh, assume a, uh, you know, a, 
a healthy failure rate. Um, but just just the the steadiness of that output, uh, I, I think, is very different um, from from kind of traditional biotech startups. So it's the the combination of those two things: the steadiness of the output, uh, you know, the steady stream of of drug candidates we're able to create, and the um, uh, the capital efficiency with which we can do it. Uh, it, it really creates, in some ways, kind of a a new business model because the uh, the types of um, you know, upfront payments that that pharma is typically willing to willing to pay at uh, you know after in vivo proof of concept, while you know they wouldn't they wouldn't be an attractive exit for a kind of a company that has a, a single shot on goal or or a small number of programs. Um, for us, with the capital efficiency, it's it's actually a, a you know an attractive ROI even at that at that point, and because we have a steady stream of other assets, it's it's not as if we're sort of uh, Giving up the limited number of assets, so so we actually are, are pursuing a kind of a, a hybrid business model where um, you know some of the uh, some of the and we kind of make the decision on a on a program by program basis. So we're you know we're certainly equipped to take uh, you know take any program that we want all the way through to the clinic, um, but on a you know on a program by program basis, you know where we find the right partners, we're also open to uh, uh, you know to licensing drug candidates uh, earlier on, sort of shortly after in vivo proof of concept. Uh, and, and we can do that at an attractive uh, return on investment on a, on a per program basis. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, I, I think a fairly uh, unique business model that's enabled by, uh, by our disease canceling technology. Ben Ziskin, co-founder and CEO of Immuneering. Ben, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.